Hello and welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. The Seahawks, they gave us some big news on Tuesday. Jamal Adams signed to a long-term deal. Joining me to talk about it is John P. Gilbert, the deputy editor and contributor over at fieldgoals.com. John, how you doing? I'm very good. Thank you for asking. Good to be back. It's been a while, um, but glad that we got the opportunity to, to get together and discuss you know, the big news that got, came out today. So Big news. Big news with Jamal. Yeah, we, we can be having a good day. Jamal Adams, he's having a really good day today. <laughs> yes, he is. So in terms of contract specifics, I, I know sometimes we, we just get the minor details with, uh, you know, initially before we get some of the, the real meat and potatoes of the deal. What, what do you have so far for us in terms of the contract numbers with Jamal Adams? I mean, the big numbers basically is what everybody knows at this point is, and which is basically all I've seen. I haven't seen the breakdown on the details by year. I haven't seen the breakdown of the cap hits by year, but it's, you know, as they've announced, it's a four year, $70 million deal. There's some incentives that they threw in there at the end um, that can sweeten the deal. He has, does have the opportunity to make up to $72 million if he maxes out with all the incentives that are in the contract. Um, $38 million guaranteed, whether that's full guarantee, injury guarantee, total guarantees. We don't know those details just yet. So we'll, you know, we'll be assuming we'll have those in the coming days and we'll have a full breakdown, obviously, at field goals on what the contract looks like. But it's it's good to get it out of the way, have it done and you know be done dealing with that drama on that side. There was a lot of drama this week, John, and I felt like it kicked off the week when I I don't know why necessarily that people all of a sudden turn to like the worst thing possible that oh jamal adams isn't gonna budge and he wants 40 million guaranteed but the seahawks they only want to give 38 million dollars guaranteed and there's just no way these two sides are going to come together the seahawks have said that this is their final deal and jamal you know he's and it just they were making so much drama about relatively small amount of money when it comes down to the total size of the contract no, absolutely. And you, the only my big fear or not big fear, but the fear that I had uh, with that situation was that, you know, Adams had been in a situation before in New York where he felt like the front office didn't take care of him. They knew he wanted a contract extension. He felt like they back went back on their word. And, you know, anytime you're dealing with a, a highly charged 25 year old they may not always be of the right frame of mind, or at least, you know, if they're in an emotional frame of mind and they've been feel like someone stabbed them in the back in the past and they've got a front office who won't, you know, won't make that final step for the $2 million. You know, my fear was maybe, maybe we could just see him dig in with that emotional side of things. But apparently he had a conversation with his mom last night and his mom said him straight. So now he's a Seahawk <laughs> for the next five years. Thanks to Mama Adams for, for getting this right, getting the deal done. You know, John Schneider can negotiate all he wants. He, he just had to get Jamal Adams' mom involved to close this deal. No, absolutely. And, you know, whatever it takes. One of the other concerns, though, John, is, is this type of deal, is this going to be harmful to the franchise moving forward? Like, Are they paying too much for a guy at safety? We know that what he can do in the pass rush but can he cover? Can he be that balanced type of player that we've heard from Pete? We've heard from Ken Norton Jr. that that he is going to play a more balanced role this year. I, I'm curious your thoughts on on whether you think the value 
of the contract is on point. In value, it comes down to, you know, total roster construction. Um, you know, I think I think for the Seahawks specifically, for the system they have, for the youngsters they have in place at certain other positions, I think it's a contract that they can squeeze the value out of um, because, yes, for this year, probably for next year, they've got Adams on the big contract. They've got Wagner on the big contract. But there's, you know, there, there's a timeline there where, at some point, Bobby won't be on a huge contract anymore. Bobby won't be on the defense anymore. I mean, you know, as sad as it is to think of that, and obviously he's still all pro, he's still performing at a high level, but there's going to be a time down the road where this contract, whether it's year, you know, year two of the extension, year three of the con of the from now or three, three year three of the extension and four years from now where this deal looks like a fantastic bargain simply because of what the cap's going to do. I mean, it's, you know, it, yes, it's the highest, he's the highest paid safety right now, but there's a very real chance that Derwin James is the highest paid safety 12 months from now or 24 months from now. And that Adams, you know, may not even not only not be one, but he may not be two because there are some other guys coming down the pipe behind him who, who may not be, you know, of his caliber, but if the cap explodes and we're looking at a 230, $250 million cap down the road and there's some backloaded contracts, all of a sudden a 20 or $22 million a year contract is not un would not be unreasonable for a safety in a rising cap environment. So, yeah. And I have to think too, if you're Jamal and you have this deal on the table versus having to play out that final year of the deal, you think to yourself, well, the way things are going now, I can play two years under this deal. And if in two years I'm it, the, the pay is way out of line compared to all the other safeties, then that's when you really, you know, put the screws to the team and, and try and get that better deal. A lot like you know, Xavier Rhodes down in uh, Miami, not Xavier Rhodes. Yeah, Who am I thinking Xavier of? And Howard and, Xavier you know, Howard. and I think the, the other big thing I think for someone like Adams is assuming he stays healthy, assuming there's no major injury issues. I mean, which, uh, you know, I hesitate to bring it up because we have seen it out of the, you know, strong safety position for the Seahawks in the past, you know, after shortly after a, a an extension was signed. But it's he's with the Seahawks for the next five years. He'll only be I say only, but he'll only be 30 when he hits free agency or would be scheduled to hit free agency again, which means he'll be 29 with a year left on his contract, which is when the Seahawks typically extend players. So he could be looking at another big contract down the road. So it's not, you know, I think it's a, a fantastic deal for him. He's obviously the highest paid safety in the league by, I think it's 16% uh, over Simmons there in Denver. And it's, still the opportunity with his youth and the, how short the contract is that he should be able to sign one more big deal. You know, it may not be top of the market because he'll be a over 30 defensive back, but it's still a, a decent sized deal. Like we saw Earl Thomas sign with the Ravens uh, after he left Seattle. So, yeah. And I, you know, I was thinking, I guess that it was a four year contract, but yes, a four year extension. So five more years for Adams. So yeah, this uh, with that in mind, it definitely feels like a good deal for the Seahawks. No, I mean absolutely. It's you know it's four seventy for the four years of the extension, but with him already under contract for this year at nine point eight six billion, it's effectively from the team standpoint they have Adams under contract for the next five years at sixteen million dollars a year, and I guarantee you there will be multiple safeties who are making well over $16 million a year by the time Adams is going into the final year of this contract. Right. And for a guy who 
gave the team almost double digit sacks last year. And yeah, to, to have that versatility, um, I could see why he was pushing for more money because even a guy like Shaq Barrett making nearly 18 million a year on average, I think, um, and, and providing that similar type of production in terms of affecting the quarterback. Yeah, I, I think that uh, it worked out for him. But the Seahawks, they still have a couple more guys who are interested in getting some extensions. One of those guys has been practicing and and uh, maybe even playing this Saturday against the Broncos is Quandre Diggs. And then you have Dwayne Brown, who, you know, you had Russell pounding the table for him just uh, here recently. So I, I'm kind of curious, though, which one of these guys is the next one to get done, because I feel like the organization would maybe want to reward a guy like Diggs, who's been out there on the practice field. And yes, he's made it known that he wants a deal, but he, he hasn't been uh, sitting out. And, and maybe it's not that big of a deal for Brown either, because he would probably be sitting out anyway, as we've heard from Pete. Uh, I know he likes to cover for guys, but. I, I do think that even if Brown's uh, situation was perfect, he probably wouldn't have. He definitely wouldn't have played in the last game, and and he probably would be limited in terms of practicing. No, absolutely. I mean, Brown barely practiced last season. You know, as they're managing his his health and his, you know, I mean, because he had the knee injury and the uh, biceps injury the year before. Um, you know, I don't think we're going to see. I would. I don't think either way we would have seen him in the preseason. But with both of them, it's interesting because they're both in that position where they've the team has put some some draft capital and some free agent signings and some um you know go, gone after the undrafted free agents who are not just your normal run of the mill undrafted free agents whether higher priority undrafted free agents like uh, Jake Curran um who played the entire played every he's the only player on the roster who played every snap uh, on the offensive side of the ball this against the Raiders this weekend you know and so it's two position groups where you've got Ugo Amadi, who they drafted as a free safety. You've got Marquise Blair, who they drafted as a safety. On the tackle side with the Dwayne Brown issue, you've got you know, multiple tackles behind him who are obviously a whole lot younger than him, but he's obviously light years better than him. Right. Or than them, excuse me. And, you, you know, it's one of those situations where – you want to make sure Dwayne's happy. You want to make sure Dwayne's taken care of so that he's performing and protecting that, that quarterback you've got out there who happens to carry the highest cap hit of any player in the NFL this season. But at the same time, you've got to build for the future. And I think the team wants to figure out what the plan is going forward at both of those positions before they make a commitment to either one of them. Yes, and it's not that they haven't tried to plan for the future at those positions. It's just that they haven't found anybody who's talented enough to take their spots. So it's now to the point where the team is probably going to have to pay or risk losing the players at the end of the season. But we can pick up this conversation after the break. I also want to get your thoughts on if we'll see any playing time for the starters coming up this weekend against the Broncos. Stick around. That's up next. Talking to John P. Gilbert, deputy editor and contributor at FieldGoals.com. Before the break, we were talking about Dwayne Brown. And it's such an interesting case because on one hand, you have a player that's older than Walter Jones was when he was playing his final season. But judging by what we've seen in the Raiders game, judging by Brown's interest in continuing to play, uh, Brown might need to be the guy at left tackle for as long as he's willing to keep playing. 
Well, and uh, my my guess is I think I think from the team standpoint they want to kind of take a look at it like you know almost like an Andrew Whitworth has done down in Los Angeles where the Rams let him play through the final year of his contract. They worked to try and develop tackles who could potentially take over for him, and then when it got to the point where he hit free agency, they said, you know what, we're not really comfortable with a quarterback who's not great when he's pressured, um, you know, being protected or not protected by a younger inexperienced tackle. So let's go ahead and give you the money that you've been looking for. And they brought him back. Um, And I could certainly see a situation like that with Brown. My, my concern with that is that Brown's already forced himself out of, you know, one organization, whether it was for contractual reasons or whether it was because he just didn't like the owner and the everything that was going on with the inmates running the asylum comments coming out of the owner. Right. And you know, you do run that risk, but I think the team would like to see what, what's it look like with those young guys that they have at tackle. Obviously, I mean, Saturday night, you're not starting those guys week one. I mean, that was rough on both sides, left tackle, right tackle, you know, which is not to, not unexpected for a rookie playing their first ever NFL snaps. I think the team though wants to see, okay, that's what we've got right now. Week one of the preseason with two weeks of contact practice in what do these guys look like after week 18? What do these guys look like once they've had a full season of practice and gotten some reps? And we know Dwayne Brown isn't going to practice a whole lot this season. So what with those guys getting those reps in practice and with those guys probably picking up some snaps, uh, you know, at the end of games that are, you know, whether it's garbage time snaps or whatever, or filling in for injuries because both Brown and Shell have missed time with injuries the past couple of years. You know, I, I think the team would be a whole lot more comfortable, you know, if they if they see the improvement that they want out of the younger guys, but they're not quite at a level where they're comfortable with them starting next year, then they go to Brown. They do some kind of extension that guarantees he's on the roster for 2022, maybe, you know, an out for 2023 or whatever, but it's, it's more of a pay as you go at that point, rather than, you know, okay, here's a three-year extension, Dwayne. And then they're looking at a risk like they did with Cam Chancellor and he goes down in week nine and that's it. They're out of left tackle and they're out of a whole bunch of cap space, not just in 2021, but 2022 and potentially 2023 as well. And I, you know, it's just with as fantastic as Brown has been, that's, you know, that's the risk when he's one of the oldest starting offensive linemen in the NFL, not just this past year, but the year before and the year before. So, well, I had my questions going into this off season based on the way that Russ was talking about the offensive line is if maybe it was Dwayne Brown who was done this off season. And that, you know, that was kind of a, a little bit of foreshadowing when he was talking on Dan Patrick that that maybe he needed extra protection because he knew something about Dwayne Brown not wanting to stick around it. So that was kind of my concern around some of those comments. And I'm I'm glad it worked out that Dwayne's coming back. But yeah, I think the front office, if they had it their way, they would want to they they'd want to go year to year. But for a guy like Brown, and you brought up those concerns and I, I just I'd like to see Dwayne Brown be able to play for as long as as he can and make as much money as he can. But, yeah, there's there's definitely that concern with injury all the time. No, and I'm right there with you. I would absolutely love to have Brown. You know, I'd love to see him, uh, you know, play 
into his 40s. If he could be a Tom Brady and play into it until he's 45 <laughs> and be competent at left tackle, please, by all means, you know, it's just it's understandable from the team standpoint that you just it's risk management. You know, they don't want to. Well, I think that's why it. KJ is still out there, which is crazy. <laughs> We're seeing the NFL top 100 go by and here's KJ Wright and he's still not on an NFL team. No, absolutely, and it's funny you do a you, you do a search on Twitter for it, and you've got fans of every team at in the front office, whether it's the Eagles, whether it's the Raiders, whether it's the Giants. They'll be making roster moves and signing linebackers to bring them in, and fan the fans, not just Seahawks fans, but yeah. fans of other teams, the Cowboys, Raiders. Like I said, they are fuming mad that they are bringing in these linebackers that their fans have never heard of, these undrafted free agents or these you know journeyman guys who have been on a couple of different rosters over the past couple of years but just never stuck around it's not just seahawks fans who don't understand why kj is unsigned it's you know and maybe there's something to it maybe he's got a minimum that he won't play you know if he, you know maybe it's not worth it to him i mean he's made 48 million dollars in his career he probably doesn't need a whole lot more money and it's not may not be worth it to him for him to play on a minimum salary deal so you know the, which is completely understandable but it's still mind-boggling just like you said that he in the NFL top 100, and he's not on an NFL roster right now. Well, you look down in San Francisco, and D. Ford continues to collect a paycheck every single year and play like minimal snaps. And <laughs> he's going to be making more this season than KJ, even if KJ finds a team to give him a pretty good deal. Uh, it's yeah, I can see why he would set a number and say, you know what, if if I'm if I'm not getting paid this, then it's not worth it to me. No, absolutely. Well, roster cuts are coming for teams. Uh, we saw a few this past week, and no real notable names, as far as I was concerned. I, I, you know, I was a little bit surprised that there weren't names that I saw who played in the preseason game against the Raiders. That you know, they were on my list as potential cuts, but they made it through this first round, but down to eighty next week. Yeah, and I think you know, I think a lot of the cuts this week, it may be, it will once again be positional and situational i mean i think you know i i saw more than one person on uh you know on online forums on in social media you know dom wood anderson the tight end who had a rough game against the raiders everybody expected him to get cut but it's the the team can't really i mean if they're not really planning on playing their starters during the preseason that rules out gerald everett and will disley and Colby Parkinson, whose foot is hurt, and you've got Tyler Mabry, who's battling a sprained foot, and nobody has a real firm timeline on what his return is. So you've only got two healthy tight ends on the roster, which makes them effectively un you know, untouchable until there are more healthy guys or until they're going to play the starters in the preseason. And, you know, maybe it's something that Shane Waldron brought up from Los Angeles. Maybe it's something that's just... Pete's decided to err on the side of caution with a 17-game season now. But the Rams players, where Shane Waldron was before, their starters had not played a snap of preseason football since week two or week three of 2017. If you were an established starter on offense or defense, you were not playing in the preseason in Los Angeles. I mean, and that's just, that was the way the Rams ran it. And I would not be surprised if that's what we're going to see from the Seahawks for the remainder of the preseason. Yeah, I am kind of interested to see if if that strategy is going to move over to the Seahawks or if maybe we'll see kind of the usual Russell Wilson come out for the very first drive. But, 
man, going back to our discussion about the issues that tackle, I think I'd be okay with it, especially considering, you know, I don't want to laugh about it, but what happened to Gino? Like that is I'm fine with them sending Russ out there. If he hands it off three times in a row and then they punt, you know, but, and I, but I don't need him to be dropping back and taking a concussion or worse during the preseason. You know, I mean, that's, that's the season gone. If that, and, and, Pete Carroll, like you said, has already said Dwayne Brown will not see the field and he would not see the field even if he was participating in practice. He's obviously the best tackle on the roster by a mile and a half. There is no need. There is no improvement that he's going to develop or you know skills that he's going to further refine in the limited practice times that they have in the preseason and in playing snaps against second and third stringers that he hasn't developed in the 13 years that he's already been in the league facing off against all pro defensive ends. So it's, you know, there is no need to put Dwayne Brown out there. And if you're not putting Dwayne Brown out there, I want my man Russ on the bench wrapped in plastic. Well, and you know, if it's Cedric Abwehi, okay. I like, I, I do feel like having a veteran like him out there, and you're running some low risk plays, you know, just trying to get into the tempo. I, I can see a little bit of value in that. But, yeah, we don't need Russ dropping back and trying to launch one deep to DK or anything like that. No, absolutely. And, you know, that's what Russ and DK would want to do. <laughs> right. you got to protect them from themselves. <laughs> exactly. One other guy. I, what, do you, what do you think about the running back position battle? Because they have quite a bit of depth there we only saw alex collins take two runs uh we saw quite a bit of dj dallas this last week um not any chris carson which i don't expect to see any of him but rashad penny nursing an injury i i'm curious if we're going to see any rashad penny and how that's going to kind of shake up this competition at running back pete said today that we would see um Rashad Penny this weekend, which will be interesting to see because he was obviously, you know, we saw him in 2019. We saw him start to have some of that, you know, that pop and that explosiveness that made him a first round pick. And then he obviously hurt his knee. And then that pop and that explosiveness and all those skills that made him a first round pick or all those physical talents that made him a first round pick just were not there. Um, you know, in the very limited snaps that he played in 2020, which is not a surprise given the severity of the knee injury he suffered. It's not, you know, it's not like that's the end of the world. The the second year back from an ACL with additional damage, whatever that was, whether it was a meniscus, whether it was other kinds of cartilage, whatever it was, it's certainly not unexpected what happened there. So I don't think... um, we're not going to see a 2020 Rashad Penny on the field, but I am curious to see, you know, what does it look like for him? My concern is for him that if we're playing with backup offensive linemen again, there may not be very big holes and it could be kind of ugly, you know, like it was for Collins. I mean, we saw some DJ Dallas had a couple nice runs or a couple other runs later in the game, but the Collins runs, both of them, I mean, they were, there wasn't a whole lot of space for him. Yeah, so. run into the back of the offensive line and go down, essentially. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I think, you know, the thing that 
that I, I know a lot of people are excited about Collins and a lot of people are excited about what he brings, but I, I just don't see, you know, ball security has been one of the biggest things that Pete has preached since he arrived. And obviously everybody's going to bring up, you know, Chris Carson's 2019 fumbles, but Alex Collins in his career, not even any kind of, you know, isolated incident through his career, he has fumbled at a rate greater than Chris Carson fumbled at during his career. And I mean, in particular, Carson had had seven fumbles and 315 touches in 2019 when everybody thought it was an absolute disaster. And well, it was. I mean, that that's not a good rate. Not at all. But it's better than Collins in his career. Collins has 425 touches and nine fumbles. Yeah. And he had a call, he had a practice last week where he fumbled the ball twice. So it's, you know, I could really see him winding up again on the practice squad with a call up if they need him. And I think, I think Penny Homer and Dallas, you know, behind Carson, I think that's going to be the running back core. I really do. Well, we saw Penny. He he's back on the practice field this week. Another guy back on the practice field, D. Eskridge, which is nice to see. Absolutely. And that will be interesting to see just how quickly they get him involved, um, you know, and how heavy his workload is. I don't expect to see a ton of him this weekend. I think they'll do what they can to get him in. But obviously, whatever toe issue, whatever foot issue has been bothering him, it's something that kept him off the practice field for more than two months. So it's not anything that you want to push too hard. Yeah, I don't know what to think about this issue with Eskridge because on one hand, as you mentioned, it's kept him off the practice field. But on the other hand, they made an adjustment to his shoe and now he's fine. <laughs> so that's so well, weird. There, it is, and there, there's multiple injuries that it could be. You, know, I mean, the big one is very good chance that it's turf toe or something like that, some kind of strain of a ligament or tendon or something in the toe. And if you, you use a solid foot and, you know, an orthotic shoe, which basically, which is designed for not designed for, but, you know, adapted the same thing that you would use for uh, someone with arthritic feet so that it holds the feet so that they, they stay flat and there's no movement. If the, if you're pushing off and it doesn't hurt, fantastic, you know, and that's, you Obviously, someone is as explosive and powerful as him who's going to be pushing off and putting a lot of force on the toe. Obviously, that's my concern. Um, but, you know, the, the team doctors have evaluated him. They've, he says he's able to go without any pain with a special f- shoe. So great. Do that if that works and you can manage it through the season. Make it to the post, you know, make it through, you know, the playoffs, the postseason, where, however far they get. And then let him rest up and heal during the offseason fantastic you know and if you happen to aggravate it during the over the course of the year at some point and you do have to you know unfortunately sit out for you know whether it's six weeks or eight weeks to let it heal again like they have since you know since he initially heard it in june then you know it is what it is at least we've got freddie swain and whoever else you know lined up behind him yeah that does then bring up a potential issue with depth at receiver but yeah i I guess we'll we'll just have to wait and see how it goes. I'm I'm crossing my fingers that it's going to work out for Eskridge uh, because I know they could use that dynamic on offense. So, John, really appreciate you coming on the show and break down the Jamal Adams contract, kind of looking ahead a little bit to this Broncos game and roster cuts next week. Anything else coming up at fieldgoals.com that you're working on? 
you know, just the regular, just having fun, keeping everybody updated on the news. Um, you know, and once we get those details and specifics on the Jamal Adams contract, we'll go ahead, we'll take a look at that. And then from there, we can actually build out kind of what the salary cap picture is going to look like, not just for this year, but for 2022, 2023 as well uh, going forward. So keep your eyes open for those once we actually see some real year by year numbers. Definitely watch for that up at fieldgoals.com. He is John P. Gilbert. Follow his work there. Also follow him on Twitter at John P. Gilbert NFL. John, thanks again. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Thanks once again to John for coming on. And we didn't have the contract numbers when we started recording, but we now have the contract numbers now that we're done and they are posted up at fieldgoals.com. Jamal Adams, he actually reduces his cap number for the 2021 season by nearly $5 million freeing up that cap space for the Seahawks to use for any free agent player that's still out there on the market. There's still that flexibility to restructure Russell Wilson's contract, so we could be watching that. But yes, $5 million is the cap number for Jamal for 2021. In 2022, it's also a minimal cap hit, $9 million in 2022. That is with a base salary of $2 million. His signing bonus stretched out over five years of the contract. And then there's a $3 million option bonus as well. I think that kicks in at the end of the season. It's up at fieldgoals.com. You can go check it out there. The thing is, is that the big money in 2023, it's $18 million, which by 23 will be the going rate for a good safety. And then the real big money doesn't kick into 2024, 2025 when it breaks over $20 million for a cap hit. 23 million in 2024, 24 million in 2025. And I know we'll look at that and say, well, shoot, over $20 million for a safety. He's probably not going to see that money anyway. But looking down the road at what the salary cap numbers could be in 2024 and 2025, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing a lot more defensive stars making and breaking that $20 million mark, especially in those contract years. So, I think it's going to look like a good deal, especially down the road. Check out John's article on it, fieldgoals.com. It is posted there now if you haven't seen it already. And we will be back later this week talking more Seahawks. Until then, go Hawks.